What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to our interview with Yasi. This is uh, the Main Course Podcast, Episode 9. My name is Jake Stanley. I'm here with Dakota Edgar. Yo, yo. Josie Francis. What's up? And our special guest, Yasi. Hello again. Dakota is going to be leading us into the interview today. Uh, feel free to take it away, man. Cool. All right, Yas. So just like to give everyone kind of a sense of, you know, who you are, you know, where you're from, where, where are you from? Um, I'm based in Denver, Colorado, and I have been making music here for like the last five or six years. Wow. That's a long time. That is a long time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and you, you went to college for, for music, correct? Yeah, I went to UCD for music business um, okay. because my parents would never let me actually just focus <laughs> on music. Um, but yeah, it was a great, like, I think if anybody wants to go to school um, to do music business stuff, I had a great education there. I had great professors um, that ended up doing really great things after they left the university. So those are like always nice connections to still have. Um, so I'd highly suggest that for people who want to go to college for music. For sure. And then, I mean, while you were going to school there, obviously it was, it was more so mute or business driven versus, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like theory and actually, right. you know, I mean, evolving you still, around, to, yeah. you still had to take like theory classes and sure. ear training classes, and then you would have to like pick an instrument. So you're still like, because mm. the whole thing with that university was they wanted you to know if you're not going to be a musician, you still need to know what it takes to be one. If you want to manage one is right. like kind of how my professors Smart. like pitched it to us um so that was like great for me because like I got to get some guitar lessons I got to get some vocal lessons um and I got to learn a little bit about theory even though none of it has really stayed with me but um (laughs) yeah it was great I mean I start when I started the program like Spotify was like just becoming a thing like influencers weren't really a thing so I'm sure the curriculum has changed an insane amount since I left but um yeah, I, I would go back, honestly. If they were like, hey, we'll like pay for your classes, I'd be like, okay, yeah. I'm like, I'm in there. <laughs> did you uh did you get like a lot of connections of like other kids that you took class with or that they would introduce you to that were also like making music at that time? Like I met a lot of like EDM and jam band musicians mm-hmm. and like jazz musicians. I didn't It's kinda really... what we got in Denver. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and you know what? I learned a lot. I learned a lot from them because you know, they were always performing and they were really into like the visual side of stuff. So I learned a lot about visuals from EDM kids and, um, and like jazz kids. I was just like, wow, I don't know how to play instruments and you're so much better than me. Um, but it was, yeah, it was cool. I met a lot of people more on the business side than I met on like an artistic level, but I ended up having like a hip hop ensemble class and one of my professors that taught that he was in the Flowbots, so oh he, really yeah Sick. um That's crazy. yeah, and so he would give us like performance tips, and I took that pretty to heart because I was like, okay, this guy's played like every late night show, right. like possible, so he has information. So that was really cool, and I ended up meeting my producer who produced all of Unavailable Slack in class for that because he was the drummer. And I was kind of just like, I need a drummer for my live shows. Do you want to be my drummer? And then he ended up just being my producer. And yeah, so I guess I did meet people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And then so also, I mean, one of your managers, right, was in, he was in Air Dubai. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, so how, how did you get connected with him? I don't know Air Dubai. 
Um, yeah. So for those people that don't know who Air Dubai is, they're kind of like right. Denver legends. Um, and they like did a lot of like the Van Warp tour um, cycles and stuff. And they were signed to, I think, like either Fueled by Roman or Hopeless Records. I, Hopeless Records. Um, so, yeah, Michael was the key player in Air Dubai. And he was kind of like also doing their day to day manager stuff. And they were just touring so much that they were like retired. I don't know. And when the band disbanded, he was managing other artists within the scene. And one of those artists was like, hey, Michael's like really interested in um, like helping you out. Would you be down? And I was kind of like in the middle of working with a guy that we just both knew it wasn't working out, but we were friends. So we didn't want to like be mean to each other. So like Michael kind of swooped in, helped me um, with all that kind of stuff. And he was doing a lot of the – like booking shows and stuff because he had such good connections with everybody. All the right, all his the band, in yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was it was cool. Like he gave me a really nice introduction into AEG, and then some of my friends from college were working at AEG too. So I kind of had like the younger kids and the older people like rooting for me in a way, which really helped. Yeah, I think that's that's something that's interesting, though, right, is like you had people kind of, you know, on both sides kind of of the booking and kind of live show performance aspect that were really mm-hmm. pulling for you and bringing you all these opportunities. Because I think a lot of days, like some younger artists that just like blow up on the Internet, they it comes to it comes out that, you know, once they go on their first tours, like they don't know how to perform because mm-hmm, they yeah. they haven't they didn't come up in that scene. But I think I mean, you it sounds like you had a lot of opportunities to kind of come up performing in front of people. Yeah, I mean, I think I like one of the pros to being an artist in Denver is that the live scene is so important. Like live music is life here. So um, I was always, you know, I mean, I'm not going to be kidding you and say I was always playing really big shows. Like there was like three and a half years where I'm playing in front of 30, 40, 50 people, um, some shows like eight. You know what I mean? Just opening whatever show I could open up for and kind of just like try and sell tickets and try and bring in an audience and like be cool with the bookers. Cause even though, yeah, I did have great recommendations from people that worked there and Mm. like my manager, I still had to like prove myself at game time. You know what I mean? I had to like be polite, be a good person, um, do my job, leave on time. And so it was just three years of doing that. And then finally, when I was really bringing in people and really moving tickets is when I was getting the bigger shows. And um, I think being an artist that's um, in between a lot of genres, um, I've had like the amazing opportunity of opening up for somebody like Tiana Taylor. And then like a few weeks later, opening up for like Poppy. And And that's, you know, bizarre. Like, I didn't really listen to Poppy's music. And then, like, when I got the show, I listened and I was like, I don't know how I make sense opening up for her, but like, <laughs> I'm going to do Here it. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. I was like, it's at a venue I've never played at. I'm not going to say no to that. And you know what? It was just like the audience, like, with me. Like, it wasn't, I wasn't what they came to see, but, but it, I left with fans. You know what I mean? Which. I'm very thankful for. But yeah, it was like a couple years of like busting my ass and making sure that like I was I was on top of my game, selling tickets, advertising, doing whatever. And then once that trust was built with me and the bookers, um, you know, they didn't hesitate to give me bigger shows. And I also owe my whole career to like live music because 
Right. Um, I played a huge venue out here called the Fillmore and like a week later, the stars just aligned and my agent at UTA was kind of like, Hey, um, are there any Denver acts I need to know about? And since I just played that show, Ricky at live nation suggested me to Daniel and like a month later I get my agent and then, or a month later I meet Daniel in LA and then he gets me a couple shows. I play a showcase and then by January, like I'm signed to UTA. So if it wasn't for live music, I wouldn't have had that. But yeah, so it's like putting all those like hours in of playing awful shows and like not feeling like I got the festival slot I wanted or like, you know what I mean? Like all those like, "Ah," it paid off because it made me kind of have like an underdog mentality when it came to performing and knowing that like I might not be getting a lot of streams right now, but I know I have a voice and I know I can perform. So tonight at this show, maybe I'll get a hundred people to stream my music tonight. So that was like, always my brain. And so kind of not to derail your questions here, Dakota, but kind of building off of that, how does that tie into the release of the again, again, I, the live at Larimer lounge version of it? How did that come together? Um, So I had the footage for that. Uh, music video for like months and I just or yeah like almost a year actually I had it and I was just like it doesn't like something's not clicking and it's not coming off the way I want it to and I always would say like I love this song live I love performing this song live I feel like it's so much better than the like studio version I feel like I connect to an audience when I perform this because I went on tour with Isla and that's where that recording is from and when we were on tour like there was like a handful of shows where people came for me, which was like, that was crazy to me. But for most of the tour, I'm a virtually unknown person that you probably press play with the night before the show. And I put that song kind of like in the very beginning of my set to kind of just be like, I can sing and like, I want you to feel this emotion and I want you to connect with me. And I was watching every show like that song was making the audience open up to me more. And so I was like, you know what? When we go back to Denver, I want to record this and I want to release it. I want people to hear the song how I intended it to be heard. And I get I didn't realize that until I started performing it. And when I had that, I was like, yeah, you know what? Like, what if this live audio like kind of went into this vulnerable music video? And I added the two together and it just clicked. Like it made sense. I thought it like made sense to have the live audio with like this vulnerable music video because that's just how I wanted the song to be heard and seen. Um, And that's kind of how it came about. So that's awesome. Yeah. And then I think I think that tour is kind of interesting, too, that you're on. So, right. That was like your first like national tour, correct? Um, it was the first time I was like on the whole national tour. I've been on a national sure, tour okay. before, but that was like I was playing every show tour. What was that? What year? Um, it w- was this year. Uh, this January. year, okay. Yeah, it was. Uh, it- <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I know. I was like last year, but no, it was this year. Yeah. Um, it. it was from February to March, and yeah. Uh, I it ended the day before Live Nation and AEG was like all this shut down. Um, And yeah, I mean, like the whole tour, we were just like, who's going to get COVID? Who on tour is going to get COVID? I was going to say, was there like, was there a bunch of conversation that went on? Like, uh, they could call us like any day and be like, yo, you guys got to go home. 
Yeah. So um, at the beginning of the tour was when it was kind of hitting the United States. And there was like cases in the United States. And I remember we were like in L.A. It was like the second tour stop. And I just remember my manager, my other manager, Ethan, he flew out for the show and he came up to me and he was like, don't be shaking people's hands. Don't hug people. Like if you do like desanitized, he's like, I don't know what this thing is, but you got to like be prepped. And I'm like, okay, yeah. Um, (laughs) So the whole time, and like I'm a psychopath when it comes to like vocal health because I've lost my voice before and I've also toured before and lost my voice. And I knew that like I had to show up every night for tour. So I already had like a lot, like my mom gave me, or like since my mom's a nurse, we went to the doctor. They prescribed me like steroids just in case. Um, so I like, you know, I got steroids. Like I'm ready to go. Like ready to I, go. I, Let's go. I, like Isla was would call me like the the pharmacy because I had everything that anybody could need if they got sick. Um. So yeah, we were just every time we were going to a city, it was like 40 new cases. Like I remember we were like going to Toronto, and I was like, at least like I feel like Canada has their shit together. So like maybe Canada will be different. And I'm like reading this article like as we're pulling up to the Airbnb, and it's like. 40 new cases in Toronto. And I'm like, it's like, this is insane. It's like, it was like following us everywhere we went. Um, It was getting like a bigger, bigger deal in the city after we played it. It was nuts. And then when we got to Utah, it was our last tour stop. And I just remember being like, damn, none of us got COVID. We made it. How is that possible? (laughs) And they were thinking about adding like one more tour stop. And then like they were going to add one in Las Vegas. And it was like on the way to California for them. So they were like, why not? And so we were like kind of going back and forth, like talking to them, like, are you guys going to do it? Because like we might just go back to Denver, yada, yada, yada. And we're at this brewery in Utah. And we look up at the screen and it's like, Utah jazz player gets COVID. Oh, man. And I was like, and I'm sitting in Utah and I'm like, did he come here? Has he been here before? When was the last <laughs> off game that they had? Like, what is going on? But the minute I saw that, I was like, okay, sh- shutting down. Like, once it gets to like sports, like, it's going to shut everything down. So we play the show and I had like three other tours that I was supposed to hop on this year. And we were already like, you know, tickets bought, like, hotel booked all this kind of stuff and then um I'm on my way home from Utah after we play the show and finish the tour and I'm like getting texts from like everybody like Live Nation canceled everything and I have like friends who are actually still on tour like in random cities so it's just it was one of those things where you're just like this was about to be such a tight year and I can't do anything that I was supposed to do now at least you got through it though Yeah, I mean, me and Isla, like, we talk about it, like, here and there. We're like, dude, we got to tour before the apocalypse. Like, that's pretty cool. But, yeah, (laughs) it's frustrating. But at the same time, like, I would have been on tour this whole year. So I wouldn't have really had a chance to write any new music. And, like, now I have, like, a whole new EP done. So I'm trying to look at it from, like, glass full, glass (laughs) full. Silver lining. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, so let's let's talk about that a little bit. So I know you've been you've been making a lot of trips, kind of back and forth to LA, working on that. Mm-hmm. So how's how's that? Ex- I mean, because in the past, have you have you gone out there to record, or most of your mm-hmm. past stuff has been recorded in in Colorado? So like, how's that how's that been different? Um, it's been amazing. Uh, I really fell back in love with like writing music. You know, um, 
I think with like the world stopping and everything, um, it really just took me, it made me look at myself like in the face as like a person, but mostly as an artist of just like, it's time to like write music and like really good songs and like things that make people think and things that make people happy and like just elevate the sound, bring it up, like turn it up. And that's kind of what going back and forth to LA really did for me. Um, It was awesome to be in rooms with like people have had successes, like the main and uh, like he's done, he did, uh, I think all or five of the six songs on the EP. His name's John Lundeen. Um, he's in this band called Point North, and they're like a alternative punk pop band. I think I'm like saying that correctly. But um, so I didn't know if we were going to hit it off. And man, he's like the most talented dude I've ever met. And like watching somebody just be able to do everything is the most motivating thing ever. And, you know, we would have like 10 hour sessions. Like I would be there from like Monday to Friday and like 9 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day, just like writing music, doing stuff. It was like kind of like a boot camp. And I don't really think I I got that in this environment being in Denver. So it was amazing to just go back, fall in love with the process, and then just meet people who are like, you know, because sometimes if you do music with your friends out here, it's like, oh, man, it's 10 p.m. Like, we got to go to a party. Like, let's go. Whereas, right. like, with all these people, it was like, I remember one of the songs. Yeah. Like, one of the songs we wrote and cut the vocals to that day. And it was the most harmonies I've ever done in my entire life. And we were there until 12 a.m. And I just met one of the producers, like, that day. And he's like, no, I'm down. Like, this song is amazing. Like, I'm not going to leave. Like, why would I leave? Um, so that was so encouraging and that made me want to go harder. So I feel like I leveled up by going back and forth there and switching up my environment and just being around people who, um, are more successful than me and Mm -hmm. can do different things that I can't do. And they also taught me like, you got to be confident, like you're talented because for so long you're just like, is everybody blowing smoke up my ass? Like, am I really good? Um, or are people just being like, Oh, this girl like books a lot of shows. So like, she must be good kind of thing. And so to be out there and like have people be like, you are very talented and like, you can sing. I'm like, okay, I can, I can like breathe and relax (laughs) and like, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting that you, you know, talk about how, like, you know, when you're out there, it's, it's more so everyone's in the mindset of like, this is what we're here for. We're here to work. I mean, like outside of, I guess, just getting out of the environment, like, you know, coming up, I feel like in Denver, like, like what, do you just feel like there's more resources out there? Like, cause I I feel like, you know, while we have some artists that have kind of broke the national scene from here, Mm -hmm. it's just not, it's just not necessarily when people don't think of Denver, Colorado as like yeah. they crank out musicians, yeah. right? Yeah, which I mean, I feel like people when they think of Colorado, they do think of like live music. Um, yeah, it's, you know, like sure. Denver has like one of the most beautiful venues in the entire world here. Well, you know what right, I mean? Yeah. And I feel like I can't even believe I played it. So it's like that's like there's some notoriety, I guess. Like you know, artists want to perform here, um, but in terms of like a local scene, I feel like the one thing that's really missing is like a music business infrastructure. So like we have a great live scene and there's so many people doing amazing things in the live scene. So like that's a totally different topic of conversation. But I think in terms of like publishing houses, um, like artist management groups, um, like, uh, 
studios um we have like great studios but like studios that like bring in artists to have like artist collective things like those are kind of missing here um at least in my like genre like in r&b pop music it's not really a thing yet um and that's where I kind of have pivoted and kind of watched what people in like the indie rock and the rock scene are doing because there are those instant connections of like, Oh, like we have this really good band. Like we can link up with our friends at like hopeless records or like fueled by ramen because there have been past successes in those genres from Colorado. Um, So I think that, I have watched the indie kids and how they move and how their bands are progressing because that was like my point of reference. Um, And again, like for certain genres, it's great. If you're an EDM artist, there's no better place to be than in Colorado. If you're a jam band, there's no better place to be than Colorado. But yeah, I think it just depends on your genre. And, you know, that can go for anywhere. Like um, you think of Nashville, you think of like country Country. music, you know what I mean? But there, you know, but there is probably a pop scene, but it doesn't have as many connections to the industry industry as like the other genres. So Taylor Swift. Um, yeah, yeah. Big machine. Yeah. Do you, do you but, think it's also kind of driven by their proximity to LA? Because I feel like you look at somewhere like Atlanta and they're like so far from any kind of mecca music, right? They're, mm-hmm. you know, a pretty hefty drive up the coast to New York and they're obviously like six hours from LA. So I feel like, you know, outcast, everyone was forced to kind of reinvest yeah. in Atlanta and build up Atlanta. Whereas like in Denver, you know, you're, you're relatively close to LA. Yeah, Um. Yeah, I think that that's a very accurate thing to say. I mean, a lot you watch a lot of your friends go to Los Angeles or a lot of your like peers go to Los Angeles and come back or like go to Los Angeles and stay. Um, so you know, there is like it feeds into that. I you know, I think that Denver is now on the path to making yeah. a, a thing. Um just because, you know, so many people have been moving here. I think the city in general yeah, is having like a new identity. You know what I mean? It's not the same Denver that I grew up in. Um, like if I were to be seven, my life would probably be a lot different living in this Denver than when I was seven. But yeah, I think it's going to grow. It's going to take some time, but I just don't have time to like watch it grow (laughs) and like in terms of like my timeline and career. So I think it will only get better here because of, I feel like people are just moving in here. Like it, like every year it's like millions of people are coming to Denver. So yeah, it's not to a loss of talent. It's just like those business infrastructures haven't been made yet because yeah, like I have to fly out to LA to do my job. So like I'm going to move to LA so I don't have to keep spending money to like fly. But, um, I do believe at one point, I think it'll be a thing. Denver's such a beautiful place. So, but again, yeah, I just, I don't got the time. (laughs) feel that yeah so i mean um in terms of the in terms of the actual project itself you know mm-hmm. whatever you're willing to share like what what can what can fans kind of come to expect from from this music kind of compared to maybe what you've done in the past or some aspects that might be different something that you involved that was kind of creatively that is different than what you've done before Yeah, I mean, I'm super excited about this record. I've never been excited to release anything. It's always just been ah, like, like we got to put this out. But no, I'm I'm really excited about it. Um, It is completely different than I think anything I've made 
in the past, which is super exciting for me. Um, you know, some people might hate it. Some people might love it. It's definitely a pop record. I never thought I would be making pop music, but yeah. It's, Here we are. Yeah, I'm super into it. <laughs> and I, I know in the past you'd mentioned it's like a little, it's a little edgier. It's a little darker as well, right? It's not, it's not just like a bubblegum pop. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not hit me, baby, one more time. It might be like more top. Yeah. But like, yeah, there's a lot of the themes, I guess, throughout the EP is just a lot of commentary on what's going on right now in terms of like, um, you know, just being disappointed by world leaders and like um, having identity. Yeah. And like having identity crisis and then like flipping it and making fun of yourself. Like I have a record called drama queen and it's just like a record that's making fun of myself of being a drama queen (laughs) and whatever, you know, I'm, I'm trying to give a little bit of everything. It's my first record that I I'm singing a little bit of Farsi in which, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, it's very small, very small. It's hard to rhyme Farsi words with like English words. It's just two different, like ways of moving your tongue (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, right but yeah no um it's my first record doing that um it's my first record just like uh finding a way to talk about difficult stuff and it not being cheesy like you know sometimes I feel like when I write things I'm like oh this is just like it's so cheesy I just want (laughs) to find a cool way to talk about you know like my background and where I'm from and I think I accomplish that in a non-cheesy way um so yeah I'm I'm really stoked by the record I feel like everything is like no skips like that's my goal and I think it's a no skip record and yeah I'm just mega amped and I can't wait for people to hear it because I've been playing it so much that I kind of think it sucks now but yeah every time yeah uh yeah I mean it's it's funny like I feel like a lot of people that we've got on here and talked to I mean do you think that the, just the environment of everyone kind of being stuck at home and kind of experiencing some of these darker times and stuff like, does Mm -hmm. that, did that kind of give you, I guess, like the strength or like, feel like you're like not coming off as cheesy talking about some of these, some of these things, because it's like a lot of people are experiencing some of the same emotions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I always think about if this is cheesy or not. You know what I mean? It, like, even when it's just something as simple as love, because, like, I don't want it – I don't ever want to come off, like – because in my brain, sincere. again, it yeah. Well, in my brain, I always go back to how is this going to be live? And, like, I'm going to have mm-hmm. to perform this all the time. So, like, am right. I going to want to be saying this in six months? You know what I mean? That's yeah. just how my brain works. So – Um, yeah, I, I mean, did the things going on inspire things and did the things going on, like make me want to actually write about it? Definitely. Like the song that I was saying that I sing Farsi in, you know, I was, I was talking about like political times and like, you know, like one of the lines is like, um, how can all the pain inside become politicized? Like that is something that I was like, do I put this in a song? Like, is this too, like is this too much? But it felt right in that moment. And there were days like two of the songs um, on the record I wrote and I hated them. I was like, I don't want to put this on my record. Like this sucks. And then I come back the next day in the studio and the producer's like, so this is what I did while you were gone. And it's actually really good. So like you can't (laughs) not put this out. So yeah, it was 
and like that's a nice thing about having a, a producer and a confidant when you're in the studio is because a lot of times I'm like, is this like any good? Like, I don't know, because I'm so used to just writing in my own room mm-hmm. and not really having any bite back from the producer. Like, right, like right. Slack and I, when we made Unavailable, it was kind of like he did his thing. I did my thing. If we thought something should change, we would say it. But it wasn't like he was like, no, I don't like that. Like, maybe do this. Like, we didn't do that on that record. But with this record, I would like look at John and I'd be like, hey, so like, I think this line sucks and we need to change it. And he'd be like, I agree. Like, I'm glad you said something. You know what I mean? (laughs) Or I'd be like, I don't like the way that this progression's going. It seems too like cheesy for me. And he would be like, say less. You know what I mean? So it was nice to have that banter and it was nice to have somebody be like this doesn't suck like trust me and it helped me trust yeah and it helped me trust my gut a lot more too because I'm super insecure about what I put out and like what I'm writing about and especially if it's something that's like really close to me for somebody to be like hey that sucks is so terrifying but I think what I have realized in the last year is that if somebody is going to come in and help you make the song better, you would be a fool not to listen. And, right. I, you know, like I look at some of my favorite records, like um, even though I am no longer standing this person, like my beautiful d- tar- dark twisted fantasy. Right. If you look at the credits, it's insane how many people are. You Absolutely. know what I mean? And I think why that record is so great is because so many people were like, this would be better if you, you know, add strings. And I think as an artist, you should welcome that. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's cool to see a song where it's like solely produced and make or like solely produced and written by that person. But for me, I'm just now at a point where I'm like, like you guys were saying collaboration, like in the actual music making process as well. It's such a beautiful thing. And music is a language and it's a new way to communicate with people. And I think making this record, I re-realized that. And I think that's what defines like a really talented artist, right? It's, it's not just the ability to make the music yourself, right? But it's the ability to like work with the team and have it still be your music. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that's the most impressive part about that album because if I had 40 people telling me conflicting things, you know, I'd get so lost in that creative process. Right. But however Kanye was able to do it, you know, wherever he was at mentally in 2008 or whatever, 2009 when he was recording that, he was able to cut through all that noise Right, and end up end up with the really succinct project. Yeah, um, and like that's a goal, you know what I mean? To make a record that's like that. Why right. like mm-hmm. yeah. But music is just so tight. I've just like I hate the virus. <laughs> I like hate tight. <laughs> music is so tight. But One you know, key like, takeaway. Yeah, like I really am bummed out by the virus. Like, man, I lost a lot of money. You know, I'm gonna keep it yeah. frank. I lost a lot of money because of this virus. But if there's anything that it gave me was love and passion and mm-hmm. like dedication towards my craft because well, and it probably also are- gave you like time to like take a step yes. back yeah. and, and I feel like that's like a big consensus with most creative people is like it f- up a lot of shit, but it like made you kind of like step back to square one and like give you the space and the mental capacity and like just yeah. the time to like, rededicate yourself or like switch lanes or whatever it is yeah and exactly like switch lanes too like I could have went into this like I'm gonna I'm gonna write sad R&B for the rest of my life because I like it and it's dope and why not but 
yeah, like the time off, I was like, why not try making a pop record? Like I remember one of the calls we had with everybody that was the reason I had like really sessions was everyone's like, well, we I think we want you to go like dark pop. And then I was like, no, why did you just tell me what to do? Because now I'm going to feel like I have to do that. But I don't now I don't want to do that, you know? Right. And it was interesting to like watch the songs I made when I did hear that. You know what I mean? And then when we all had a conversation again, everyone was like, oh, my God, like we did not mean to tell you what to do. We were just like trying to suggest it. But I was so like fragile at that moment because I was still finding my voice and finding, you know, what the kind of record I wanted to make. Um but yeah, like it's, I don't know, music is just, I've fallen in love with it again. It's unreal. I can't believe a stupid virus that ruined my life, like made me <laughs> love music again. But you know, this, this career, this industry is not for like the faint of heart. It's not for somebody that's going to be like, oh, you don't like it. I can't do this again. Like, you know, I've had people say really fucked up shit to my face before. I've had people say really fucked up shit on the internet and on like, uh, in person to other people and it's not for the faint of heart and I think we always get lost in like I need to make money I need to have a lot of followers I need to have a lot of interaction I need to and all of that stuff is valid it's totally valid but at the core of it it's just like you love this so like make what you love because when else are you going to have the opportunity to do that not for sure I mean that's like that's really the, the best attitude I feel like that you can take coming out of this entire situation. Right. So, I mean, that's amazing to hear, um, being, being that that is the case. I mean, like what, what is like, what is the long-term kind of like dream look like for you? You know, like hopefully as we kind of move out of this, like, where do you see yourself like as an artist, like, where do you want to be? Um, I want to do at least one arena tour before my time is up. Um, and I want to, make an album that people can listen to in 10 years and feel like it sounds fresh, but, um, you know, or what am I trying to say? I'm trying to make an album. That's like, if it came out today, you would feel nostalgic about it, but it still sounds so fresh and it will sound so fresh in 10 years. Like Dua Lipa had her album called like future nostalgia. And I think that is just, the best term ever like that. I think that's just what music in general is, is like it feels nostalgic, but you also apply it to like future scenarios. Um, and I love that. And I want to do that for at least like one album minimum. You know what I mean? That's like definitely the goal. Um, and just get better at guitar. I want to like shred really badly. So, um, I've got two quick questions before we wrap it up. Yeah. Um, and these are these are just general questions, but I'm just curious to hear what your answer is. Number one, what do you think the best way that like the fans, anyone listening, could support independent venues right now? Like, what, is it SaveOurStages.com? Like, what else? What can people be doing to try and get you know live? Make sure they're still there whenever yeah. we're able to go tour again. Um, it's, uh, it's a time to get political with it too. Um, I think it's important to email your senators and your representatives and let them know that, um, the live industry needs help because how we're going to get money is through the government. Um, because I mean, of course, like save your stages is getting donations probably from people, regular people, um, companies, nonprofits, but where it really, to make sure that if this happens again, that 
like people don't have to go through this emotional roller coaster is to get into politics and make sure that that's a thing for your um, senator and your representative to know that that is important and how much money it can bring into the city and also how you should want to be a city that encourages artists to grow and create. Absolutely. And if, so if you, if everyone listening here goes to saveourstages.com, they have a button that will give you like a email or a text you can write and send mm-hmm. it to your congressman, mm. congresswoman, et cetera. Um, so a good place to start at the very least. Definitely. My second question, what's the best way everyone listening should go about supporting independent artists with no touring anymore, right? How do we, <laughs> you're going through this right now. What can, what can the people do? How do they support um, you? Damn, I don't know. Venmo me, Cash App. <laughs> like, um, I mean, like, you know, Spotify has this thing where you can cash app people if you like it. That's nice because streaming checks um, aren't cutting it. Um, uh, I guess like buying merch. I know that there are a lot of artists that are doing like Patreon and like Bandcamp has like those yeah. fee for free days. Um, but yeah, I think like that is... I uh, about all we can do at this point um just buy like tangible things or um yeah <laughs> I don't know I'm like getting depressed thinking about it I'm like damn how can people help me <laughs> I think they I just, just got to stay engaged yeah stay engaged way. um the algorithms are so weird nowadays so but I weird. think so weird oh my god I like was comparing like stories a couple days ago and like I had like a over 800 difference in one day and the day that yeah and like the day that it went down I was like vote and I'm like wait what I'll I'll have I have ones that'll yeah I have ones that'll get like 6,000 and then I have stories that'll get like 900 and it's the strange like I can't even place what the discrepancies caused by time of day I have no idea yeah yeah Um, but I think you know just like play the music share the music um help your favorite artists get new fans or like help a artist that you support get new fans I think that's all we can do while we wait um obviously like for somebody like me I don't have a record a new record out yet so when that comes I think my tactics are going to be a lot different than right now but I think as for now, as an artist, what you can do is, like you said, um, like find ways to support live music and independent venues. So when they do come back, they can hire musicians to do that. Um, And, you know, if one day you're like, "Mm, I'm feeling generous, just like cash up your favorite artist, you know, (laughs) go to their Spotify page and cash the maps. Seriously, do it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And if if someone wants to find you on social media, Yasi, where do they find you? Um, They want to engage. All, if you want to engage and cash at me, um, it's all Yossi Muse, cash up include. No, I'm just kididding. Um, but yeah, Yossi Muse, uh, Y-A-S-I-M-U-S-E. Um, yeah, I'm trying to make some fire content or whatever. <laughs> you, you and us all, I feel that. Yeah. Every yeah. day. Um, we are Stick Worldwide. That's at Stick Worldwide. Everywhere you listen to, you know, everywhere you've do social media, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is the Main Course Podcast. We drop these every Thursday uh, at like noon on YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify, wherever you listen. Um, thanks for listening and see you everyone next week. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks all. <laughs>